This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Matchday Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So hello there and welcome along to Old Gold Club, my golden game. I'm Mikey Burrows and as ever I'm speaking to former players, possibly former managers, maybe some current players and fans too about the magical moments that meant the most to them in their Wolves watching or playing or managing careers. Delighted to say a big hello to the Don. Don Goodman, how are you pal? I'm very, very well, thank you, my friend. Really looking forward to the uh, football restarting and uh, getting our teeth into Wolves winning a few more games and winning the Europa League and finishing in the top four in the Premier League. How does that sound? Yeah, 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 that's all right, mate. That's all right. That'll do for starters. (laughs) Um, You were one of the last people I saw before lockdown, actually, but I don't know how much of it you'll remember. (laughs) <laughs> it because it was the olympiacos game bully hosted a kind of a dinner at molyneux and me and tomo were obviously downstairs doing the commentary and we came up to see you at half time um but you were a little bit worse for wear do you remember this now you've reminded me I do. I remember being worse for wear because I'd been in Birmingham watching Cheltenham all afternoon. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd pop into Molyneux and watch the, the, the game on the way home. <laughs> do, you remember, right, yeah. do you remember what you I'd, said I'd to me? Do you remember? Sorry? Do you remember what you said to me? No, please. Is it? Are you allowed to say publicly? <laughs> you you told me multiple times how much I reminded you of Rag and Bone Man. <laughs> yes, now I remember. Yeah, uh, it's a shame you can't sing like him, mate. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, you're not the first person to have said that to me, um, but it was just it was the brilliant moment of kind of walking in and it was like yeah yeah game's game's not great is it it's like yeah and then you were like yay mikey oh you know you remind me of it it's like oh blimey how many done that here and then you had to you told me about four times and then you had to go off and do an interview i was loving it oh but i must have spoke the world of sense in that interview i'm sure I mean, we all needed entertaining anyway, didn't we? Because it wasn't a, it wasn't it was a poor game, wasn't it? To be fair, yeah, it wasn't the greatest. Um, how have you been coping in the lockdown? Because, like me, you're obviously used to going to games all the time, and 
and working how have you found it well i i I kind of guess really it was just always going to be important that you keep your your mind occupied um especially in the first few weeks um so i've i've pretty much threw myself into training hard um i've got a few pieces of uh, fitness equipment in a little room downstairs i was going out for runs i've got a spin bike some weights and so on and so forth so i made it a bit of a mission to to leave lockdown fitter than i entered lockdown um but also a bit of catching up on and, and doing all the menial jobs that you know somebody like me that travels all over the country uh, I, I put a lot of stuff off. <laughs> it's just my nature. And, um, of course, this uh, this period of lockdown has allowed me just to catch up on a few jobs that I really should have been doing months and months, if not years ago, to be fair. So there was a bit of that going on. And then throw into the mix uh, a, a few little sort of um, uh, interviews and podcasts um, for Sky Sports and, and one or two other uh, platforms in terms of their podcasts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and and then before you knew it, Mikey, the golf courses were were, were, were back <laughs> open, and that was absolutely key for me. I haven't I haven't been bored since, my friend. I haven't been bored since. <laughs> I just got visions of you like some kind of Rocky montage, doing your workouts in the gym, listening to Rag and Bone Man, just absolutely going for it. <laughs> Yeah. Now there's a thought. <laughs> I'll try that one. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> oh dear. Um, we've got to talk about this golden game, and you had 154 choices from your playing time. There were 39 goals in amongst there, but there is one that I, I don't know. I hate to say this word, like you know, when someone says like you're synonymous with this moment, with this game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether that's kind of a compliment or not in this in this aspect. Yeah, no. To be fair, to be fair, Mikey, I get asked about I get asked about three uh, games in particular. Um, the first one is the penalty shootout where Sheffield Wednesday came to Molyneux. Um, any of the fans that were there that night remember it because I think it's probably still the only time in history that a team have been three nil down in a penalty shootout and managed to actually win it. So and obviously it was uh, infamous because Chris Waddle took his uh, his first and only penalty after the, the World Cup finals missed. Yeah. So um, it was a big night. It was electric atmosphere. Obviously Sheffield Wednesday were a Premier League team at the time, and with some some good players, Des Walker, uh, Mark Bright up front, Chris Waddle there, they were a good team, and um, and we managed to pull that off. So that's one of them. Uh, the other particular game is uh, is ironically. Another is a cup game, uh, another cup game in the FA Cup where Leicester came to Molyneux and people talk to me about David Kelly's diving header uh, where he and him burst the length of the pitch. I think it might have won um, goal of the month on match of the day, actually. Um, we beat Leicester City uh, 1-0 again. I think, were they in the Premier League? I think they might have been. Yeah, I think so. Um, beat them 1-0 and um, it was, um, obviously they were managed by Mark McGee, ironically. So, um, so we managed to, to put one over on Leicester, and then obviously the game that you're referring to is another cup game. So it seems that um, in my Wolverhampton Wanderers career, although there were many um, there were many happy moments in the uh, 
in the league games as we were trying to aspire to get to the Premier League, it seems that some the poignant want memories and, and the, the, the ones that the fans talk to me about all purely coincidentally happened in um, in cup games. <laughs> well, I, I mean, this game, towards the end of your Wolves career, I guess it's fair to say, mm. we're, we're obviously talking of 7th of March, 1998, the FA Cup quarterfinal at Leeds, where actually you were kind of mainly playing cup games at this stage of your Wolves career. Is that fair? Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that really. I think. I think the problem was I had a. I'd, I'd had a, a bit of an injury that I was I was nursing, and that Mark McGee was nursing through. Ultimately, he sent me off to Munich um, to get ready for this. Uh, this quarter final, I went to see the famous Dr. Muller Wolfhart that all the athletes and footballers go and uh, see, and he and he did. He worked a bit of a minor miracle on my um, on my Achilles because there was a there was a, a doubt that I would be um, fit enough to to play. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that particular section of the season was was just me. Uh, trying to manage a, a little bit of a niggly injury, really, um, which is probably as big a reason as any why I wasn't playing uh, every single game. Because I think we had a midweek game, didn't we, which I, which I missed, but uh, was brought back in for the um, for the game at Ellen Road. Yeah, well, it just gives. It, and I mean, I'm just looking at the kind of the games you played in that period, and kind of from. Christmas from the turn of the year really it was like you played one league game one cup game one league game one cup game two league games one cup game one league game one cup game that it kind of that was how it was going for you at the time but I guess it's a good job we were in the cup games otherwise I'd have been goose (laughs) (laughs) by by the way you we kind of glossed over the fact that your doctor was called Dr Wolfheart Dr. Muller Wolfhart. That, yeah. is, that is a brilliant. Wolves sent you to a man called yeah. Dr. Wolfhart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very famous. Actually, I think, I believe he still works for the German national team. Um, he has been a, a fixture um, with Bayern Munich and the German national football team and uh, developed his reputation for really, really speeding up the recovery process of uh, all kinds of all manner of sports men and women um but particularly footballers would uh, would would go and see him if if they had a, a kind of an injury where they were trying to get back in a in a, a quick time frame or a quicker time frame so he he got a reputation of it. he injected all kinds of vitamins and minerals and lord knows what else into your uh, into your body and into your injury and um and clearly got got very very good results which is why you know he, he he's the, the 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 doctor at uh Bayern Munich and, and and the German national team and why lots of athletes from all over the world even to this day still go and and see him when they've got problems see this is one of those things about kind of history I guess in that it sounds like there was a real danger that you might not actually have played in this game yeah they, I mean there was I mean uh I was going through a phase with this Achilles problem at that time where I was having to I was having to warm up before we went out for a warm up sort of thing. So I literally was was jumping on a 
on a bike in the gym, particularly when the games were at Molyneux or when we went, when we had away games, I was having to take one of those little sort of individual trampoline things and just, just get this, this Achilles moving a little bit. So I had to literally get it loose before I was able to go out and do the warm up and then, and then play the games, um, which, you know, I, I guess really it was in the, in the era where you, where you played through the pain. So there wasn't really a, a game in that period where, I wasn't in a little bit of uh, a little bit of pain, but um, it was in a it was in a generation where football was, particularly in that era, just pushed yourself through the pain unless it was literally was not possible. So um, so yeah yeah the, you're absolutely right. There there was there was every possibility that I might not have been fit to um, to take my place in the team that day. And this is a Leeds team that what six years after winning the title they are they've still got nigel martin lucas radaby alfie harland ian hart young harry kuehl and jimmy floyd hasselbank that's yeah. a very strong team to come up against yeah managed by george graham as well i think uh i think it's safe to say i think they were a an established sort of top six premier league club in, in 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 those days you know um so the fact that it was the quarter final of the fa cup and they had a a championship team on their own patch they were real heavy favorites to be able to um to win the game and progress to the semi-finals yeah yeah it was a good team so does that affect the way you guys went about it what was kind of said in the build-up to the game do you remember well, all I know is that that, that Mark McGee um, decided that we would we would bring an extra central defender in and play with uh, three central defenders, um, but he would also have um, myself, uh, Bully, and and Dougie Friedman up top to occupy occupy their defence. They wanted to pass the ball out from the back. Um, and we wanted to stop them from doing that. So I remember that being part of the game plan. But I also remember that uh, once they had comfortable possession, um, myself and one of the other strikers would would drop in and, and and kind of become extra bodies in that in that midfield area just to just to plug it plug up the gaps really um, and stop them passing the ball through us. And I have to say it was a it was an absolute masterclass from. Uh, decision from Mark McGee and 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 the three central defenders Curly, Dean Richards and Aidy Williams on the day were, were were outstanding to the point where although Hans uh, later on in the game would be required to make a brilliant penalty stop, um, he didn't really have anything other than routine saves to make from what I recall about the game. When you say one of the other strikers, you mean Dougie Friedman, right? There's no there's no way Bully was <laughs> dropping back in there. <laughs> We took it in turns. Come on, leave the leave the ballmeister alone. <laughs> it, it's also though the way you describe it. It's three four three, kind of what the modern team. I, this is it's strange because yeah. I did a similar thing with Neil Emblem, and I think he kind of discussed a, a similar kind of shape. And it was like we have this yeah. image of nineties football as being four four two rigid. That's not what you're yeah. describing at all. No, and it wasn't particularly for that for that game um i can't if i'm honest with you i can't quite remember whether we uh, whether we used the system going forward or in in games previous or or not but uh, i think it i think it took leeds united and george graham a little bit by surprise i think i saw an interview with him afterwards where he 
he paid credit to us because we we stifled them pretty much and um you're right maybe it was a, a little bit of uh, uh, ahead of time although often the 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 three center halves would become a back five and 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 the four in midfield might become five or or even six in midfield depending on where the ball was so it was it was very important we recognized what a great team they were we recognized that they had the tools uh to hurt us you know particularly with Harry Kuehl, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Rod Wallace I, I believe you know good striker nippy quick so we had to really stifle them and stifle the supply and um and it was a, a game plan that we managed to execute pre- pretty well. When at the same time, Mike, it has to be said, causing them problems the other way. Um, when I had a look at the, the highlights of the game again recently, you know, I, we actually we caused their defenders quite a few uh, problems on, on the day. We kept them honest, for want of a better phrase, really. Um, and I can't really with the exception of the odd minute or two minutes really ever feel like we were under such intense pressure that that that, that we would we would crack it was a it was a good all-round performance well i i i watched it again like you have and what really struck me actually was the quality of that goal and i, I don't think i'd really heard it talked about as much in the build-up play to it and the way that you kind of got the space. It was absolutely superb. Yeah, we were, we were, we were very patient really. Um, and actually the, the only reason I found myself in that position was because I made a run to try and offer myself a, a, as an out ball to, I can't remember who was on the ball initially in that midfield area. But I made a run across the line from a left-hand side across to the right. The ball never came. And then there were two or three other little passes between, I think, Carl Robinson and Dougie Friedman was involved. Um, and then as Carl Robinson got the ball, I recognised that there was a space off the back of a, uh, a Leeds United player who'd, who'd switched off, really. He was ball-watching a little bit. So I, I made the run. Um, Carl spotted it. And, um, yeah, it was the end. It was a really good, patient, passing build-up and probably a, a better all-round goal from a team perspective than um, than people realise. But um, the, one, the one thing I do remember about my part in it, once that ball had gone through, was uh, what a terrible first, <laughs> first touch I had. <laughs> I didn't get the ball anywhere near where I uh, where I wanted, and I, I'm 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 pretty confident that that poor first touch, which went a little wider than than I wanted it in an ideal world, was the thing that drew Nigel Martin off his line to think that he might be able to come out and and, and charge it down. And of course, once once he did that, there was there was only one one thing in my mind. Um, I'd throughout my career, I'd made a habit of lifting the ball over goalkeepers that were coming out to throw themselves at your feet. Anyway, and it was um, it just all fell perfectly. Really, I was able to obviously clip it over him and uh, and into the far corner of the net, and uh, and the rest, as they say, is uh, is history. A wonderful moment. Because there's a real, there's a brilliant part to this whole story, though. Because, and you've spoken to me about this before the fact that Leeds fans don't like you. And this is clearly part of it. You were a Leeds boy. 
who scored in the FA Cup quarterfinal at Allen Road, not only did you celebrate, there's a brilliant shot of when Sagers saves the penalty and, <laughs> and you are slap bang in the centre on the edge of the D, both arms in the air and then getting involved in all the Keith Curl stuff with Hasselbank and everyone afterwards. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember it. You yeah, remember. lived that. That five, ten minutes must have mm. been incredible. Well, it was. I mean, obviously, you talk about intense and you talk about passion. Obviously, our supporters were going mental. To be fair to the Leeds fans, they were they were trying to drive their team on. Um, obviously, Keno gave, gave the penalty away. And I, it's a terrible thought, tackle, oh, isn't it? What, what, I'm thinking, what is he doing there anyway, really? <laughs> it, 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 he wasn't noted for his tackling then and throughout the rest of his career. It didn't get much better, I don't think, to be honest with you. But... Um, no, so obviously once once they got the penalty, you kind of you've got to fear the worst, haven't you? That that, that they're going to score. I kind of, as you said, stood on the edge of the D on the outside, and and when hands guessed right and pushed the ball away, it, it, I think I celebrated the penalty save more than I actually celebrated the goal. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, I kind of figured that that was that was going to be it. Although there was, as I recall, right at the very very end after that. After the um, the altercation between Keith Curl and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, that we all tried to calm down, but after that, Leeds Nigel Martin came up. Leeds had a corner, and there was an almighty scramble, as I, as I seem to recall. So, although I thought that was it, we'd won it once Hans saved the penalty. There was actually a, another moment of alarm. But uh, yeah, getting back to the, um, the 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 penalty save, that that I, I think I probably did feel better about that than actually <laughs> actually scoring the goal to be honest with you I kind of felt that that might be the the, the the clincher so is that why it becomes your golden game because it's not just that you scored a really important goal in an important game there is so much more in and around it that makes it special yeah I think there's there, there, there's the Wolves perspective there's uh, a personal perspective you've already said Leeds United support a Leeds lad grew up stood on the terraces I was a ball boy at Ellen Road um, I always seemed to to score against Leeds I scored against Leeds for Bradford City for West Bromwich Albion for Sunderland and ultimately that goal for Wolves completed that set at the particular time so um, there was there was that there was the fact that it was the quarter final of the FA Cup which is a huge game I mean you've got to appreciate the FA Cup was still so revered as a, as a, as a cup competition around the world in those days you know particularly for people of my generation it meant so much more than with respect it seems to me mean in the last sort of I don't know 10 or 15 years really so um and obviously then there was the 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 cup upset factor as well in terms of Leeds United were a top Premier League team at the the time we were sort of mid-table championship team so we didn't really have a right to go away to them and and beat them so when you throw all of those ingredients into the into the mix I think that's uh Uh, that's why it's my golden game Mikey thanks for listening to the old gold club powered by Blythe Group if you liked what you heard please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts Wolves TV the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game 
But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.